0: Morning, Church of the Red Door. Well, we only had ten people show up at eight thirty. That's what I heard. So, <laughs> the other ten will show up at ten thirty. So, so sorry about that. Just for you uh, visitors, if you, if this is your first time, would you mind just raising your hand real quick? Welcome, welcome, welcome. So, if you're if it's your first time, you, we need your email because we've got all these products we want to uh, advertise and send to you, <laughs> free of charge, only shipping and handling. No, I'm just kidding. We do need it because if you don't, if you're not receiving the missives, you well, see, you probably are because you're here at 9:30. But we always need your uh, information so you can get uh, give us that at, on your way out, or just fill out if you brought if you got something on your way in. If you could just fill out, that would be great. So, uh, what did you think about last week? I know many of you, you know, I've gotten, a, we've gotten a lot of feedback and some of the feedback, almost all positive, and some of the feedback we got was, well, was that the beginning of a capital campaign? And I said, well, well kind of, but not really. So that'll probably start in February. Some of you had said, well, how can we get this thing rolling? I mean, how can we make sure we... Actually, are able to execute on the property and get something going. So that's going to be very much at the speed of um, as, at, at God's speed and our hearts and and what God's going to do in in us. So I can just tell you right now, we're not going to hire any professional uh, fundraising people or n- none of that. It's just not going to happen. It's not it's not the way we roll here. Uh, we don't even pass a hat. It's going to be something that God's going to do in each one of our hearts, and that includes Laura and me in terms of our. Uh, What God calls us to do at this stage in our life and the stewardship of our our assets. And uh, as I said last week, um, you know, this is very much dependent on the Lord for sure and His timing. And we've been at this for four years. And is it now or is it another two years before we start? I, I mean, I just can't answer those questions. But God has those questions already solved. And uh, we're hopeful, we're hopeful that we'll be able to execute in all areas and get this thing going and that we're going to be able to see this thing maybe happen and up and ready to roll in three years. So we'll see what the Lord does. But um, anyway, I appreciate your feedback. It meant a lot to us. I just want to tell the team, uh, you did an extraordinary job. Chris Herman did an extraordinary job. I thought, didn't you, just in terms of you type A personalities, it really... The work that he and Rudy and Phil and some of the other guys have done has been really extraordinary and, you know, Greg Solis as well, just giving you some input from the kind of on behalf of the trustees and elders. Uh, It was important to me that you saw that uh, some of the team was here and some of the team wasn't even able to be here, but you need to know there are some very solid people, much more solid than me behind this uh, operation and some very uh, insightful, shrewd, wise, discerning people behind all of this. And uh, that's important for you to know. And all of them are available to you uh, should you want to have a conversation, each one of them, elders, trustees, and uh, then the the team as well, the development team. So if you have questions and you want to ask deeper questions, uh, we will be available to you, okay? If you don't know what I'm talking about, let me just tell you that last week we cast the vision for Church of the Red Door for the next three years and uh, it was a building phase for us and uh, it's a place that we are going to need for sustainability long-term to be in this valley. And so if you haven't had the opportunity, you weren't able to be here or hadn't had the opportunity, it's a private link. You'll need to know that. That private link is accessible um, through the missive that was sent last week. If you didn't get a missive, see out, outside and uh, and they will somehow get you a link to that ability to view that. It's not public now, so it's not on YouTube, Facebook, and a lot of the other platforms, digital platforms that we have archived. And it's not even in our normal archive on the the website. You'll need a particular one. All right, you ready for this? Well, let me pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We are so grateful, Lord, as we begin this December season, and uh, it's just the time that the world celebrates, or at least sometimes thinks about. It's more kind of a materialistic consumerism anymore, but... Lord, many of us, uh, we celebrate the time that you came to earth, that you came to dwell among men, that you came to tabernacle among men. God, you took on human flesh, verse John chapter 1, verse 14, and dwelled among us. And so, Lord, we want to be cognizant of that season all month, Lord, that you came to earth and you came with a very specific purpose for which we are uh, looking more intently this morning What is our purpose? Why did you come to earth? Why did you do that 2,000 years ago? And for what intent? And what is your intent for us? How shall we live in light of that truth? And Lord, will you be with us this morning? Holy Spirit, would you give us insight, wisdom, and discernment as we navigate quite a few scriptures this morning as we try to discern your will for our lives in this place and in this time, 21st century, strange time to live, even a more strange place to live. Lord, help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been going through kind of this, we launched out of uh, Psalm 96 a number of um, weeks back. Uh, We got this picture of what the Great Commission is. And in the context of the Great Commission, we were looking at the Exodus template, if that makes any sense to you, just as a little way... uh, Function of reminder, we came out of Egypt, we go through our baptism, we go into the wilderness. We look last week as why did they go into the wilderness? We saw in Exodus chapter 13, uh, well, God was concerned that they would change their minds. God's concerned is that, well, God knew that they would change their minds, so they went a different route. Why? Because they weren't prepared for war. In what way? Well, they were fighting, again, a physical people in a physical place. We are no longer called to do that. We no longer come out of a physical Egypt, but we come out of the world. We no longer go through the literal Red Sea. We go through our baptism. Then God knows we are not ready for war. We have to do what? Well, we have to go into the wilderness to be trained. We saw Job 23. He knows the way that I take. And when he has tried me, scrutinized me, investigated me, I will come forth as pure gold, and then I'll be ready to cross the Jordan and go in and move into the call for which, well, the call that God gave me when I first responded to His voice in faith. There's a call on your life. If you know Jesus this morning, there is a call on your life, a particular stewardship in your life, and this sounds odd to our ears, especially in a place of well, we, loo- we tend to lose our passion in the West because we, well, we have so much, especially in a place like this. We've just been given so much. It's easy to kind of get swept back into, well, the very thing that they fell into, which is idolatry. It's what we began to look at last week. And yet we've been called with a very specific call, and the word is, in Deuteronomy 33, he drove out the enemy before you, and God said, destroy. Now, we know that, again, just as a matter of... Uh, Kind of recapping two weeks ago, our destruction is not people. Our destruction today under the new covenant is against powers and principalities, spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Those are what we're called to destroy. And how do we do that? Through bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, taking every philosophy, every speculation that raises itself up against the knowledge of God, we take that captive, we we destroy it. And the weapons of our warfare are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Let me just tell you, what does that mean? It means there's ways and patterns of thinking that permeate our minds because we're in the world, but we're not of it. And trying to extricate those patterns of thinking out is very difficult. Ridding ourselves of idolatry, which is slavery at every turn, is challenging. And it takes a wilderness, it takes dryness. Some of the most loving thing, one of the most loving things God can possibly do in your life is drive you into the wilderness. One of the most loving, compassionate, grace-filled acts is He drives you into a dry and barren place. Doesn't quite sound like some of the gospels that are being preached today, that everything turns wonderful, and it does in some ways, but... You don't always get the the new Bentley and the new house or the third house and the new membership to the club and everything. That doesn't always just come your way. Perfect health, perfect relationships doesn't happen that way. God does want to give you balance, but he doesn't ever want it to lead to idolatry. And boy, is this tough. I'm going to give you some real practical ways that I want you to think about How do we fight against idolatry? And this is the way I do it. Why? Because I fight idolatry every single day. Last night I was reading some things from Tim Keller and it just grabbed me. It really grabbed my heart. And the point was uh, greed. And I began to think, am I a greedy person? And I really began to feel, uh, I think I'm greedy in some areas in my life. Tim Keller made the point... uh, In the book I was reading last night, by the way, don't read a book on greed right before you go to bed if you have a heart that wants to serve the Lord because he said in all the years I've had men come and confess, you know, adultery to me. I've had people confess all kinds of things, addiction to alcohol, pornography, all kinds of things. But I have yet to have anybody come and say, Pastor, would you pray for me because I'm really, really struggling with greed. Ever thought about that? No, because we don't perceive ourselves as being greedy. We just don't. It's a worldview that's permeated our minds, and sometimes we can become everything is about me collecting for me. And occasionally we'll give out a little bit, but it's pretty much me trying to create Eden down here on Earth. And then if I try to read what Jesus says about this, and I I I, went, I was very unsettled as I went to bed last night. I really was, and I, I woke up at three thirty this morning, and which is not particularly atypical for me, but I woke up and I'm going to share with you some of the things that I practice every single day to fight idolatry. If you have your Bibles, go to Colossians chapter 3. We looked at this, we have looked at this in various contexts. One of the things we're trying to get at, and because the Lord doesn't, how can we go into a culture and destroy speculations and things that keep people enslaved if we ourselves are still enslaved to the same thing. This doesn't make any sense. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... Now, again, it's a picture of being raised up, like we're seated with Christ in the heavenly places, right? So we, we're being raised up. Imagine yourself for a minute. Just picture yourself sitting next to Jesus on his throne in the heavenly places. Imagine what that conversation would look like as he's doing what? Well, he forgets what's going on in the world and he just wants to run out and play pickleball. I mean, no, Jesus is what? Dominating, he's ruling. He all every dominion and power have been They're all subjected to him. He's doing it gracefully, not wishing any to perish, but he's looking out and he's seeing that his will is carried out on the earth. And if you were sitting there and you're raised up with Christ in heavenly places, you'd be thinking about the strategy in which you could bring people into the light and out of the domain of darkness. You probably wouldn't be talking about the weather, or politics or any of that stuff you'd be if you were seated with Christ in heavenly places and having a conversation with Jesus he would be attent he would be very uh, intentional about looking over the earth to see that his word was impactful and I'd want to know the conversation I didn't want to enter in on that conversation therefore if you've been raised up with Christ keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth. We've talked about that all the time, the seen realm and the unseen realm. Why? Why is this true? Because you've died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, impassion, evil desire... In greed, which amounts to idolatry. In other words, when you're riveted on the earth and your mind is set on the things of the earth, that doesn't mean that you are unkempt and you come to church and you've got this long flowing beard and I'm just my mind's out in the heavenlies. It's a balance. If you fa- in fact, if you think about the animal kingdom, they are all driven essentially by the same impulse as we are. They're looking for shelter. They're looking for food. They're looking to mate. They're looking, uh, they're looking to have moments of pleasure and relaxation and, and a balance of recreation, just like a horse galloping across the field or a dog that's ready to go to the dog park or whatever. They're all looking for the same things, but they don't do them to excess, What we do is we take those same God-given things that were given to us and all of those when fulfilled are pleasurable, but we then turn them as a high priority and let, let me tell you something, that never works. In fact, you become addicted. You become addicted. Sex in the context of marriage and a monogamous relationship is wonderful, but if you take it outside of a marital relationship, either premarital sex or whatever... Or if you take it outside that and, or, and then, well, then you'd need a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more, pornography, all those things, it just never satisfies. It never will because it was never intended to satisfy an ultimate purpose ever. just wasn't. won't work. So what happens when I do wake up in the morning? And, and again, I, I'm going to ask you three big questions as it relates to your own walk. Number one... What captures your mind first thing in the morning? I mean, the moment you wake up, you're thinking about I got to work out, I got to work out, I got to work out, I got to, you know, what is it? The best part of waking up? Folgers in your cup. See now, if you have to be at least 55 or older to have any clue <laughs> what I'm talking about, but when I grew up, what's the best part of waking up? Somebody's thinking about that coffee. Are you thinking about your uh, accounts? Are you thinking about your, you know, what is the very first thing that just floods your mind if if you're honest, you'll see probably there's a systemic issue here. The very first thing that wakes you up in the morning, what is it? And then I'm asking the second question, is it helpful? That thought. Does it does it bring you peace? Does it quiet your mind? Does it lead to or does it lead to dread? insecurity, fear. A lot of times we get up thinking about things we're in fear of and we get up first thing in the morning and it just floods our mind. And, and you wake up and you look over at your spouse, you look at one of your kids or whatever, and you just, you're not there because your mind has already been flooded by something. Chances are there's something systemic in terms of a root cause that leads you to have that be your first thing. At the core of it may be some form of idolatry. If it happens over and over and over and it's consistent and we tend to run on tapes that are in our head, we just do. And if it's not properly managed and it becomes a priority of thought, well, it's a cruel master. It just is. And then lastly, does it lead to disturbing mental trends, especially when the focus of your thoughts are out of order? If your first thing you think about is your bank account and it's 2008 and your bank account's crashing and that's all you can think about, well, that leads to great amount of despair, constant focus. You're never released from it. See, when idols are challenged, you will double down on that and it will become... So the Lord is no longer your provision. the The Lord is no longer your primary source. The Lord is not... Everything now has been submitted to idolatry, and we wouldn't call it that, but it's the patterns, it's these speculations, it's these things that raise themselves up and try to supplant God in your own heart. They have taken the seat of your heart, and they are enslaving. So what do we do about it? So what is the practical step? Well, I'm going to give you a few verses here in the Psalms, and I have been practicing this and practicing this, and it is challenging to practice, but I do it all the time psalm 5 verse 3 in the morning O lord you will hear my voice in the morning i will order my prayer to you and eagerly watch first thing up if i'm 3 30 in the morning four o'clock and i rarely sleep past four or 4 30. i am first thing that's my best time of day i'm just that person i'm the very best time of day most productive time of the day unless I don't order my prayer. And if I get my thoughts out of order because of some systemic thing at the core a fear and insecurity, chances are there's fear of me losing something, and chances are that something might be creeping up and wanting to take my heart captive. In the morning, I will order my prayer. Well, I- Naturally, how do you order a prayer? What does that look like? Some of us struggle to pray. I use the Lord's Prayer. We did this a couple of years ago. We saw that as an outline. I use it every single morning, 7 days a week. Every single morning. There's not a morning I don't get up early enough to where I order my prayer. I've determined to do this, by the way. It's an act of intentionality. I have ordered my prayer, and my prayer is, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I don't, remember, I don't just say it. That is the structure of my prayer. I stop there. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What does that mean? You are unbelievable. I, am, I cannot even begin to tell you how awesome you are. Father, I, I worship you. I want to order my whole soul, as we'll see here in a minute under you i want i want it to be i want you to enliven my day because you are the creator of all things it's what we saw in psalm 96 why are idols el eel so worthless why relative to the god of creation and he juxtaposed those in psalm 96 that we got well god created everything god you created everything you know my innermost thought. You know, my, you know the paths that you have for me. You've saved me, and I could spend 10, 15, 20 minutes just right there just telling the Lord how incredibly wonderful he is. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Lord, I'm asking that your will would be done in my life. And it's a scary prayer because we still want our wills to be done in our lives. Who doesn't? I'm just like, I've got my will. I've got my plans. I want your will to be done, Lord and i'm asking you to do every and i've been praying this for a while i'm asking you to do anything it takes for your will to be executed in my life and for me to be more fruitful and to be honest with you, it's been a painful process for me on a num- any number of fronts but i do want his will Thy kingdom come, Lord. And then I began my mind will be flooded by the Holy Spirit at that point because they, he, the Holy Spirit begins to work on the inside of me, and I'm starting to think, well, how is his kingdom being established? Well, I could think about I could be thinking about Afghanistan or Russia or something, and I do kind of on a periphery, but usually it's whatever I'm involved in. How what what he's asked me to do. And so those are where my mind tends to go. Lord, how we how do we reach this valley? I want your kingdom to be established, and that may lead to the Holy Spirit. Having me pray for somebody just out of random, in my mind, just random. But the Holy Spirit is interceding and then names begin to come. And many of your names come up at that particular time. Prayers for healing, prayers for empowerment, prayers for courage, prayers for, you know, just basic help for you as the body. My own family, you, I just begin to, Lord, your will, your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And that may be 15, 20 minutes. Well, guess what? You've just prayed longer than you've ever prayed. And you're not even halfway through the prayer. This is what it means to order your prayers in the morning. Give me this day, my my daily bread, Lord. I'm totally reliant on not only just physical provision, finances and other things but I'm also completely reliant on your word and you show me something in this book today give me give me some answers that I'm some questions that may be going through my mind give me faith Lord I'm asking you do these things Oh, your daily bread right I mean are you following me lead us not into temptation Lord don't lead me and forgive me of my sins, Lord, and, and that, well, sometimes that can take a long time. As the Holy Spirit begins to gently and gracefully reveal to me areas of my character that need honing. And they are still. And I struggle at times. Well, I pretty much struggle all the time because I'm always engaged, trying to be engaged with the Spirit. And His Spirit is loving me and wanting to reshape who I am and the character and the very desires of my heart. You think that's Easy. See, believing, great. Belonging, wonderful. Becoming, this is challenging. Lord, am I greedy? Am I arrogant? Am I? And you you don't want to get lost in this, but you can be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit does it in such a beautiful way that we just don't have to freak out about it. I never freak out when the Holy Spirit's doing the work cuts me, but I don't freak out because I trust the surgeon and he just continues to do the work. It's a beautiful picture. Psalm 59 verse 16, listen again, the psalmist here, but as for me, I shall sing of your strength. Yes, I shall joyfully sing of your loving kindness in the morning for you've been my stronghold and refuge in the day of my distress. Do you order your day? In worship, I mean, uh, my, my family knows, I, I usually have a, a, a deal, I'll keep it very low until about 7. But once 7 o'clock hits, I'm cranking it up. <laughs> I don't care if you can hear it from all, all, the, all the way through the house. But I go into my office, or I got into my bedroom, and worship music is cranking in my house. It's cranking in my office, in my bathroom, in my bedroom, it's cranking. Until then, I'll do it softer where I can just hear, but at 7 o'clock it goes. Why? I need to sing of his strength. What it, it's doing is helping... Worship helps me. God doesn't need worship. It helps me order my thoughts and get them onto him and therefore off of me, and it helps me with idolatry. It really does. Psalm 88, verse 13. But I, O Lord, have cried out to you for help, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Lord, I need help today. I need. I need your strength. I need your... You know, I, I feel discouraged, I feel depressed, I feel down. All of a sudden, I don't have faith. Oh, we did this incredible vision, and everybody was real happy. Now they're going to expect it to get built, and what do we do? You know, I don't know how this is all going to work out. Lord, I need faith. I need help here. I, I, I don't know what you're going to do, but I, you, you've got to show up Today. And I don't know why all of a sudden we it takes something big to make us feel like we need His help that day. I need His help every day, even on a day of leisure. Maybe especially on a day of leisure. That I can order my thoughts and order my... Yes, I'm going to order. And I'm going to do it in the morning, first thing. The, I'm just telling you these things have a profound effect on me. Psalm 143, verse 8. "'Let me hear your loving kindness in the morning, for I trust in you.'" Catch this, teach me the way I, which I should walk, catch that, for to you I lift up my soul. Now, what is the soul? We'll just essentially call it our mind, our will, and our emotions. I'm going to give you all my mind, will, and emotions, and I'm going I'm to lift them up before you. And let you can take control of my wine, will, and emotions because when you do that, fear is cast out, doubts cast out, you know, insecurities cast out, all that stuff you start to order in my head." And when I submit it to you and I lift my soul to you, you just do extraordinary things. And I've watched that through the years. If you you haven't experienced that and you are a follower of Jesus, you're missing out on one of the amazing things that Jesus can do for you as you lift your soul to him and just give him your, just say, Lord, order my day. I'm desperately in need of you. Help me, help me, help me, Father. But do it first thing in the morning. It's amazing what happens with the rest of your day. It's amazing what happens with the rest of the day. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, you know, Paul's talking to the church at Corinth, and I won't get into the total context of the exact um, conversation he's having regarding his own apostleship here, but he says, You know what? I'm afraid uh, that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds would be led away from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus. Paul's saying, look, I'm really concerned that what happened in the garden to Eve could happen to you Corinthians, that your mind could just be led down this primrose path and you would leave just the simplicity and purity of devotion to Jesus, right? Somehow that you would be captivated by all the world has, and it's really hard not to be because we're in the world we're seated with Christ, but we're still in the world. It's so challenging. I'm really concerned. The same craftiness that Satan used in the garden, he'll use on you. Well, what happened? Let's go back to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, I don't think it's going to come up, but let's just look at this real quick. Genesis chapter 3. Uh, let's, I just want to look here at verse 4. It simply says, And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. That's Satan's always doing that. This really is not going to affect you that much. Well, everybody does it. Well, you know, this is really, this doesn't have anything to do with your salvation. I mean, we go down through this litany of little things that intuitively we know there's too much focus on this in my life. It's captivating me. It's making me fearful. I don't like the internal turmoil that I have. But then Satan's right there going, it's not going to kill you. It's just not going to kill you. It's not that big a deal. Quit worrying about it so much. Aren't you, aren't you settled in your salvation? Don't you know the Lord loves you? This is pss, pss. this is not gonna kill you. But it, but deep down the Holy Spirit is doing the work, and you go, yeah, but no, something's, and you have this dissonance in you, and you you can't you can't fight it. He says, I'm concerned that's still happening. And then look down here in verse. 13. It says then the Lord God said to the woman after she had eaten, "What is this you have done?" And the woman said, "Well the serpent deceived me and I ate it." And Paul's just saying the Corinthians he goes ah. simplicity and devotion to Jesus. Period. I don't care what you call yourself or how much you simplicity and devotion to Jesus. You know, I think actually about, we lost Tom Flory here not long ago, and I think about he and Priscilla, and I've known him for a long time. And some of you may have been around Priscilla. Priscilla is one of my charismatic friends, right? She's really, she used to be down in the front row, and she liked to move her hands, and you probably haven't seen Priscilla. We lost Tom this last year in 2019, but I will tell you that that couple, just there was a simplicity and a devotion to Christ. It was amazing. You'd get around her and she just they just weren't interested in talking about other things, really. I mean, they were interested in talking about Jesus. And it just, it just flowed through them. It was a beautiful thing to behold. And I aspire to that, where my mind can be so captivated, and I don't hear this, it's not gonna kill you. Don't worry, just come, just, come on. You can't you can't go overboard with this stuff. This come on. Shake it off. It's not going to kill you. Paul was concerned. Paul was concerned. Well, there's another thing other than just ordering our prayers in the morning. I need you to look here at Romans 8. This encourages me because sometimes prayer is hard. Would you agree? Especially when your mind's going, I mean, you're just, you know, especially if you're already, I think we live in an ADA Uh, ADHD or whatever all that stuff's called today. I think we live in that kind of world, especially with iPhone and this and that. I read somewhere the other day there's this new artist named Ed Sheeran. Some of the younger folks will know who he is. He's fantastic, by the way. I like his music. But he said he doesn't even own an iPhone. And I said, you got to be really famous and popular and have a lot of people working for you not to have an iPhone. I mean it sounds good. I would love not to have an iPhone, but I have to. I want to be in connection with you and constantly. But I find myself on it all the time and I get texts and emails just kind of constantly throughout, throughout the day. And it's well in some ways it's part of my job. It's easier than so I can meet with more of you sometimes via text and email than I can if we were having coffee and I'd have so much caffeine at me by that time if I was meeting with you as much as that. But you know, it's just this place and then and then you start trying to Bring yourself down and get quiet before the Lord and pray and order your mind, and it's just really challenging. Who, who, and I won't even ask for a show of hands, but let me see your hands if you, uh, if you have an iPhone, and the very first thing you do in the morning is you just reach for the iPhone. Thank God. Well, we have one honest person, two honest persons, three honest people, four, five honest people, six honest people. Wonderful, six honest people at Church of the Red Door. Take that, devil. So, um, It's hard to pray. Thank God. Can I just throw a little grace at you here in terms of your prayer life? I love this. Romans 8, verse 26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Thank God. Why? For we don't even know how to pray as we ought to. I I mean, I, I don't. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings even too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Are there times, and I know this is referencing the Spirit's groaning, but are there times, and I know some of you maybe even now, maybe live stream for those who have already gone back for the holidays and everything, maybe there's those moments where you're just like, I can't do anything other than just go, oh, God. Maybe you're struggling so much with a physical something or... A relational something or just a challenge that just goes beyond your ability to even formulate words, and all you can do is just go, God, you know, the Spirit is interceding for you? Isn't that a precious thing, that the Spirit, the, the deep thing, you can't even form the words But to order your prayer, just a time where you can't even talk, you don't even know what to say, and you just go, oh, God. I've been there. Some of you may be there right now. The Spirit is there to intercede. This is not just another big to-do list for christians and you keep coming to church and just get another layer of oughtas and shoulds and you better or else is right it's not what this is this is to allow you the freedom and the peace and the joy that jesus promises what helps as well well we celebrated this this last week ephesians 5 19 Let's just keep speaking to one another in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, it's important that you come here or gather in something like this. Why? So we can constantly be encouraging, singing, having a worshipful heart, all these things so to, to battle the idolatry that we're all being constantly sucked into, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. To God, even the Father, just have an attitude of thankfulness. So I get up in the morning and that thankfulness, hallowed be thy name, is usually, Father, just thank you. I mean, I I have my needs met today. I have, I don't need more than that. I don't need to, because I have my needs met, If it's food or shelter or whatever, I don't have to then turn my heart towards somehow thinking that if all I did was eat perfect food every day or live in the perfect house or whatever, that somehow that's going to satisfy me. I'm content with what I have. Father, thank you for what you've given me. Thank you. It's a beautiful way to live. And it will change your outlook and your disposition for the day. These are beautiful insights. Colossians 3.17... Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father, always. Just constantly be thinking, God, men especially. Well, women too, but I, I, I deal with men more often than women in terms of the men's studies and things. The, it's, the cynicism can creep in on us. We just find ourselves just complaining about everything. Can't believe this. And can you believe that? And this. Is, we used to be back in the 50s. We used to do it this way. Back in the 70s, we used to do this way. Well, maybe nobody said that about the 70s. But, you know, I mean, it's just, it just it's cynicism. It just creeps in. Be thankful. Order your morning with thankfulness. Why are some of the happiest people, people with virtually nothing? I, I hear this all the time. People go into Africa and they come back. I couldn't believe the people were so happy. They had nothing They lived in these villages, these mud huts, and I'm not trying to overly stereotype, but some of these tribal villages that still exist on the continent of Africa, they come back and these missionaries are just astounded that they could be happy because they don't have all this stuff we have, but they're thankful for what they have. And we just have to have one more, one bigger, one faster, one... Keep chasing that. Remember Sisyphus that we talked about, the Corinthian king who, uh, this in the in the uh, in the some of the Greek uh, gods pantheon of gods, who keep pushing the stone up the hill, only to have it roll back on him, and keep pushing it. Keep imagining that he's going to get the stone up the hill and accomplish the purpose. It just never works. So why do we keep at it? Be anxious, Philippians four, for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, make your request known to God you should have this memorized man the peace of God which surpasses our understanding it'll guard our hearts from what idolatry our hearts are being constantly bombarded with if you just had this then you would be happy if you just could do have this if you could just and we'll look at some of these next week in more specificity If I could just have my soulmate, if I could just have the perfect-looking bride, if I could just have the perfect guy who would actually take care of all my needs and just, if I just, if I, wait a minute, I have the perfect guy. His name's Jesus. And finally, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you. Let me say that again. By way of reminder this is God's will for you. Are you ready? Okay. I don't know what God's will is for my life. Well, here's part of it. In everything, be thankful. It It doesn't say you have to be thankful for everything that happens in your life, but in it, you have an attitude of thankfulness that goes well beyond your circumstances. Lord, if you want to take me with this wasting disease Take me. Oh heavenly God, I'll be with you for all of eternity. I can't wait to see your face. I thank you for this day that you've given me. Let me use it to the glory of Jesus. It's powerful. So Tim Keller says this, and I love again his his, his book called Counterfeit Gods. Very worth reading. Very worth reading a lot of my uh, ideas about idolatry were really provoked. And I've read other books about it, but I think Tim just has a way of just really making it simple and bringing it home. Listen to what he says. Anything in life can serve as an idol, anything. A God alternative, a counterfeit God. But counterfeit gods always disappoint, and often destructively so. But we think we're smarter than that because Satan is gone it's not going to kill you it's not going to kill you this is not going to hurt it's not a big deal quit over dramatizing this it's just something just be cautious even Jesus as he he's related to greed he said be cautious of every form of greed be car- be so careful with it he says the greater the good the more likely we are to expect that it can satisfy our deepest needs and hopes Anything can serve as a counterfeit God, especially the very best things in life family, spouse, provision, finances, you name it. It can all, it's so good when it meets a need that there's actually need there. So when you're hungry, eat. But when all of a sudden I find myself eating when I'm not hungry, to satisfy loneliness or an emotional issue, all of a sudden, I get into a real struggle, don't I? Or sex is beautiful, procreation, intimacy, a way to display intimacy between a a man and a woman. It's a beautiful picture, right? It's glorious. But then all of a sudden, sex becomes a a driving force. I become an addict and, well, it doesn't taste so good anymore. It's not, boy, that does not feel right at all. Why? Proverbs 27, verse 20. Sheol and Abaddon are never satisfied, nor are the eyes of man ever satisfied. It won't work. Do you need it to satisfy the need that is a built-in need? It's pleasurable. I'm hungry. I haven't eaten. It's great. I'm going to eat a nice, healthy meal here. It's going to be wonderful. And it's going to re-energize my body. Beautiful. God, God ordained that. That's perfect. I'm going to show my wife how much I love her or show my husband. And and, and there's an intimacy that happens. Beautiful, wonderful, glorious. But once the need is satisfied, it's, it's just a part of your life. But when it becomes your life, it won't satisfy. Let's close here with Habakkuk 2, verse 5. It simply says that it's talking about Babylon and Egypt and that the the world enlarges its appetite, and like death, it's never satisfied. See, the Babylon is an archetype, like Egypt was, uh, in in which this minor prophet Habakkuk wrote, and it's just said it's like death, it's never, ever satisfied. You cannot satisfy it. It doesn't matter how often you feed the beast, it will not be satisfied. There's only one, and the reason that is, is because God said, it's only me who can ultimately satisfy you. You come to me for your joy and your pleasure. Well, hey, when things are going well, we think this is going to work out pretty well for us. I'm telling you, you'll come to the end of it. I don't care how good your golf game is today, there'll come a day when you're not playing as well. And everybody said, amen. Now, there's a few of you that are still getting better in here, but only a few of you. Most of us are on the downhill slide, right? There will be a day when you'll hit your most beautiful that you've ever been day. They say that happens around 19, 20, 21. And then, no matter how hard you work, no matter how judicious you are about your healthcare routine, there will be a slow slide. It will come to an end. But everything has a peak and then a, downhaul, a downhill, except for the king of the universe. It just goes like this. And the Bible says we move from glory to glory, from faith to faith and glory to glory, and, it's, and forget what lies behind the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is a beautiful, linear, little bit of that to it at times, but linear over time movement towards contentedness and peace that Jesus promised, or he was crazy. Pick up your cross and follow me and on. Yes. So we need to be prepared for war. We need to be prepared to destroy. We cannot destroy and be part of destroying speculations, lofty thoughts, and philosophies if they still have rule and reign in our hearts. Would you agree with that? How can we see people relieved from slavery when we ourselves are still enslaved? So what do we do? We order our prayer in the morning. We get up thanking the Lord. We use the, the great prayer, right, the Lord's prayer, and it, it, use it as a model that makes sure that we're fully vested in worshiping and, and asking for God's help and the ways in which He wants us to ask, always with the kingdom in mind. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And, Lord, use me and use me and use me, and I want to make you famous in the earth, Lord. Just, just do. will you do that for me? And guess what will happen? You'll begin to just... And you won't understand it. It feels like you've given everything away. And, and yet all of a sudden you find everything that you've ever been looking for. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Why? Why do we have confidence? Because he truly did pay it all. Jesus paid all of our price. I love this worship. We're going to have communion afterwards. And I'm going to ask Mike Grove to come up in a minute. But I, I, want, to, I want us to think deeply about these words. Jesus paid it all so that we could have peace.